Hello, and welcome to the Platform Podcast, hosted by Marketplace Advisory Board Chair L. Tucker, a former journalist who writes, speaks, and consults on all things startups. The Platform Podcast features conversations with founders, operators, and experts tackling a myriad of topics facing the marketplace and sharing economy startup ecosystem. Please note this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not professional advice. For specific issues, please seek an appropriate professional or contact us at info at marketplacerisk.com for more information. And now, without further ado, I will hand things over to Elle. Hello, and welcome back to the Platform Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Bradley Hornby, who is CEO and co-founder of Homebound, which is a furniture rental marketplace. Bradley, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Lena. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Really excited to hear, um, you know, a bit more about Homebound, really interesting model. But also, we are going to be talking a bit later in the podcast about some really interesting learnings you've had recently dealing with the UK FCA, which is the Financial Conduct Authority. That's right, isn't it? Yes, that's that's correct. Um, quite a nice story around that. A little bit unexpected, um, but I'm I'm happy to dive in and you know hopefully help anyone else who, who faces similar challenges. I think it's going to be really interesting for the marketplace risk audience yeah. because it's one of those risks, I suppose, when you're yes. building a marketplace that you can come across a bend in the road and quite unexpectedly have to deal with something. And this is all focused around the the rental model and something that maybe startup founders might not have thought about. So we'll get on to that in a minute. But first of all, tell me a bit about furniture rental. It's very interesting. Um, and I know that the marketplace homebound, because I'm actually yes. a user myself, yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> as you know, um, but very interesting. What prompts people to want to rent furniture rather than own it? And and what are the benefits of that? Yeah, great, great question. So Myself and my um, co-founder Oscar, um, we sort of sat down. We we worked together in a startup previously, and you know we had a look at numerous different models. Um, you know, and one of the key things we wanted to be part of is circularity, sustainability. Um, so we looked at other markets. You know, what was doing really well, uh, and furniture rental subscription. You know, however you want to term it, uh, was extremely popular uh, in other major cities, but for some reason or another, just hasn't quite taken off uh, in major cities across the UK or Europe for that matter. And, in any significant way. So we started to unravel the problem. And, and as you, I mean, I'm sure most people are familiar with, there's a generation of renters, right? Home, home ownership is getting more and more out of people's hands. Uh, and people are quite used to it and happy with it. The, the, the problem that, that renting long-term sort of, I guess, induces is the average rental length is only between 12 and 14 months. Now, if you're moving around a lot and you go into, I don't know, a two-bed flat or whatever the case is, the chances of you going to go and spend, you know, a lot of money on really nice furniture that lasts a long time are unlikely because you're not sure if it's going to fit into your next location or place, etc. So we thought that by offering really nice furniture on a circular rental model, uh, you know, that enables people to move around, right? Really simple, really flexible uh, at a really affordable price. And that price also, you know, goes towards ownership at the end. We feel that that there's a really big market for it. So that's the the problem we're trying to solve, right? Is keeping you know fast furniture at a landfill, but also really helping people have you know really nice, good quality furniture at an affordable price and moves around and fits around their lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And for somebody like me, that's um, maybe not of that sort of mm-hmm. younger 
generation that that maybe wants to hold on to pieces for a bit longer mm. presumably there's also the fact that you know styles change and um you know that you might sort of want a, a certain look for your room but then maybe investing in that piece of furniture that is then going to go out of style mm. you, you know that might be an, an an incentive for people have people become more interested in interiors but you know the fashion's changing more quickly yeah, it's um, a, a great point. And yes, you, you you hit the nail on the head. So, I mean, if you think about, you know, I don't know, buying a sofa, let's just say, that sofa will generally stay with you for, I don't know, between sort of six and six and eight years. Um, now, that sofa will sort of be the dominant piece in your, you know, in your living room. Um, and nothing really will change around that. So the nice thing with rental is if in, as you say, you know, a year or two years, you want to freshen things up. Uh, it's very simple to do that, right? We happily take that back, refurb the item, make it into an as-new standard. Um, so we see a large portion, probably around 20 25%, are, are people outside of that rental model that I explained previously. So um, we certainly feel that we're onto something, um, but, you know, as you know, Eleanor, it's, it's still very much day one for us, and, you know, hopefully we learn and grow. Mm-hmm. And back to the, the circularity element of this yeah. and the sustainability, because I mean, there's some lots of appealing factors in this for for um you know for consumers when when it comes to price and style etc but fast furniture this isn't as talked about as much as fast fashion and and maybe um you know sort of food waste and other problems how much of a problem is it how much of our furniture are we chucking away well i mean from there's numerous different sources right but from what we can see around 22 million items uh, a year end up in landfill uh, from the UK alone. So it's a huge problem. And that's furniture items, right? We're talking beds, bedside tables, that that type of furniture. So, and majority of that, around 65% is fast furniture. Obviously, within included in that, you know, there's going to be furniture that's been around for a long time. So we, we feel it's a huge problem. Um, you know, and you even have the likes of IKEA trying to move into the space where they'll take back their old goods, recycle them and get them back out. So, you know, the problem is known. Uh, yes, as you say, it's definitely not as um, looked upon yet as the fast fashion industry, but it's a huge issue. Um, and if we can take these items back, refurb them to an as new standard and get them back out um we definitely feel we're contributing in a small way to the environment and you know hopefully this grows and and takes on more and more i think one of the other key issues um you know that we i guess trying to address is you have two different types of platforms um so one is obviously you know peer-to-peer that people rent their you know their own items um that that go across on a peer-to-peer level which is great we've gone down the more sort of supplier to consumer route Uh, And there's a couple of reasons. Firstly, we want to ensure that there's a level of quality that's always kept. So, you know, if people come to Homebound, they can be assured a, you know, a very good level of quality of all the items that go out on an added new standard, whether they've been refurbed or, you know, directly from brand new. Uh, And the other side of that is by working with the suppliers, we're able to refurb these to an as new standard. Um, so a lot of what happens, especially on you know peer to peer, if something gets damaged, it, it often just ends up in landfill. With us, if you know a sofa comes back and it's uh, a leg's been broken, you know we have close relationship with these suppliers. We can say, hey, model X, Y, and Z, we need a replacement uh, of a leg by getting it back in. You know, getting it to that as new standard as mentioned. You know, we feel that again, it, it just hopefully increases the likelihood that these items are instead of staying out for you know two or three years we're getting them out for 10, 12, 14 years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just keeps things in use exactly. for a bit longer. And exactly. I think people can be a bit too purist, I suppose is the right word, um, about 
peer-to-peer versus rental. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's about mixing up and thinking about, you know, what works for you. And if that means having some, you know, older pieces of furniture that you've maybe, I don't know, inherited from family members that are really good quality, and maybe you, you're you using a peer-to-peer marketplace as well for some furniture pieces for maybe, you know, a a specific, I don't know, event or visitors around a certain time. And that's a short term thing. And then mixing in rental in in the way that you're doing it as well. And it's it's really about sort of thinking how we can, um, you know, use these different ways to to create a more sustainable way of living rather than just sort of, you know, doing the whole thing um, in a certain way, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I I think it's really interesting. And looking at your site, you would think that you were on a really stylish uh, furniture retail website and that's great because I think that what you're doing um, with this rental model gives consumers a bit more choice and the the ranges are there whereas maybe with peer-to-peer you are just there's just one item in stock of, of, of one different thing is that something that your customers like that they really wouldn't know the difference yeah, I, I mean, th- thanks for saying that. Um, we appreciate it. I'm sure our school will be chuffed with that. Um, yes, look, it's a uh, it's a big thing, right? Um, you know, one of the the key things that we hope is, I mean, I, and I know what you touch on in terms of you know going to the site and there being only one you know one in in, in stock. We're hoping that it's a you know a reliable you know um, furniture outlet that people can come to and you can expect you know, a level of quality, but also a level of, uh, you know, the amount of stock that we have hold at any time. We plug directly into our suppliers. So the level of stock they have is what we have as well. So we feel that, you know, that uh, connection between us is is really strong. We also, as, as mentioned, you know, work with them uh, on the refurbishment side, but we also are going to implement a little rental piece on their websites as well. So rather than just people having to come to Homebound, if you're on one of our suppliers' websites, and you're about to check out, there will be the option to rent as well. So we we come in a long way. They also, you know, on the same sort of boat with us in terms of the sustainability and the circularity side. So as we hopefully push this through, this model will become, you know, more widely adopted mm. um, and the circularity of these things will hopefully stay in. I think that the nice thing is, is it seems to be the forefront of everyone's mind at the moment, right? Keeping yeah. things circular, keeping things sustainable. So um, we feel we, we're looking at the problem at the right time. Um, and, you know, hopefully we, we've got a solution that scales quite nicely. Definitely. So back to your yeah. journey, because I'm excited um, to hear this story because I haven't heard the whole story. So, you know, homebound startup getting going now. Um, there, there was a, a bit of a twist in um, <laughs> in the path. Now, do tell me all about this. So you, you've talked really about the the idea how you came up with it um how how long did it take you to get things going and and then tell me about what happened yeah of course um so so we we got funding all our first sort of tranche of funding should i say uh, in december last year um we needed to make a few tweaks to the website but anyway went and did a sort of a full uh, commercial launch in the beginning of march um, we traded for three months and within those three months, sales were, you know, sort of 3x what we were expecting. So there's clearly a market and, you know, it's, it's clearly addressable. The one thing we didn't factor in, and I mean, it's not to say that we were um, childish on this. We did actually have legal look at it and they said that we were on the right side of the FCA. But during our due diligence on another fund that was looking to invest, they flagged to us that actually the model, because we're renting longer 
than 89 days, we need to be FCA approved. Uh, and this is three months in, right? Things are all going well. Uh, so a huge spanner in the works and um, we needed to have a look at the problem. So the FCA, under the FCA, we actually needed to stop trading. Uh, so we stopped trading at the end of May uh, while we've gone through this sort of FCA approval. Um, how did that feel at the time? Yes. I mean, how did you communicate that to your, you know, your people around you and your stakeholders and your customers? How did that feel for you? Yeah, look, I mean, I've certainly had better days and weeks in the office. Um, I won't lie. You know, it's, it is it is a massive blow, so much so that, you know, myself and my co-founder actually sat down and had a look at the model, you know, in the wider picture. And, you know, we wondered, look, you know, is is this uh, is this what we want to do? You know, the, the FCA is it, it's a journey, right? It's it's not like a tick box that's done and dusted and you move forward. You know, there's processes, there's systems. Um, you know, it's 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 a lengthy thing to to sort of go through. So, we had conversations, we had conversations with investors. Um, the one thing was certain, and and it almost you know it, these things work in weird and mysterious ways. The three months that we had been going. Um, proved to us that there's enough of a market for us to push ahead and get the FCA approval. Once we have the FCA approval, it forms like a little moat around what we're doing because not anybody can just jump into, into what we're doing and, and go ahead. The other side of that is, you know, the FCA was built for a reason. It protects customers. You know, it makes disability access extremely good. So, you know, we've learned a, a huge amount um, from the FCA and their processes and what we need to have in place. So, you know, yes, that day was a bit dark. Um, that that week was a little dark. Um, but once we had decided, okay, look, um, we're happy that the model is there. The investors were happy for us to push ahead and, you know, go and, and get this FCA approval. Once we had got to that decision, uh, we haven't really looked back. And um, around the FCA approval, so we worked with a compliance company. And anybody listening who's in a similar boat, feel free to reach out. You know, I'm happy to share details and, and, and conversations I've had, you know, on, on a sort of a deep level. Um, but once we had decided to go ahead and do this, um, it was about three months that we were really at it. I mean, the application form was about, I think, 60 odd pages wow. <laughs> that we needed to get together. And, you know, these huge, you normally have compliance teams, right, that come in and, and build these. It, look, on one hand, it shows that it can be done. Um, but it, luckily as well, you know, we had shut down the website. So it was pretty much the only thing that myself and Oscar worked on for uh, for, for, for about two months. Um, and then once it actually went to the FCA, we got the approval relatively quickly. Um, so, yeah, that was a little bit of a curveball. Uh, and it's great to be on the other side, uh, to, to say the least. Yes. And, and talk about the, the FCA itself and why they were suddenly interested about this and, and how you suddenly found this out what that how they communicated that to you was it because the uh, I suppose rental um in this sense rather than maybe a sort of peer-to-peer exchange meant that you were almost uh, it, it it sort of crossed over with the world of credit is that right yeah that's that that's exactly it yes so um, the way that, that we actually came about it was, was through a due diligence process um, that, that was flagged to us. And then we got uh, investigating a bit further and had a conversation with somebody from the FCA. And the FCA keep things very bland and like it, it's quite hard to distinguish. Um, you know, it's, it's a, quite a gray area where we were. Um, but yes, once we, once we had sort of got through, through that, um, the way that they see us is we effectively add as a credit provider. 
Um, and because our model is at the end of it, you have an option to purchase, you sort of, a, you know, it's, it's almost a higher purchase agreement. So um, we need to go through those those processes. Um, they need to understand as well what our approval, you know, processes, i.e. people who come onto the platform, you know, how do you prove that they are financially viable, you know, for those products. I understand um, the FCA's stance on this, uh, you know, and, and the way that they're looking at the problem. We obviously see it slightly differently, right? You know, we're renting our tables and chairs and, you know, the FCA sounds like a, you know, really big machine to deal with, um, considering the way that we look at the problem. Um, that being said, the the process and the communication has been really good so far. Um, you know, we can't really falter on that front. So, again, more than happy to help out anyone who's listening to this who might be in a similar boat. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's definitely been, a, you know, a fantastic learning curve for us in terms of, how to communicate and deal with consumers on that credit side of the fence. Mm -hmm. And because the world of rental marketplaces and the sharing economy is quite new, do you feel that there would be startups who are creating, you know, similar models to you, maybe not in the world of furniture Mm -hmm. or anything even similar, that just might not know about this and just assume that um, it's similar to to peer to peer and um you know haven't considered this is is it possible that you can just you know reach the stage that you're at and just you know suddenly have that you know that realization like you did yeah yeah so look a hundred percent you know i i I genuinely think and i mean so since you know following our sort of uh, understanding we had a look and you know i guarantee you there's there's very similar models as you say not not in furniture similar models who aren't FCA approved, who, you know, just flying blind. Um, the problem is, is, as you say, on peer-to-peer, you don't need it. And B2B, you don't need it. So it's only direct-to-consumer, you actually need it. And then there becomes a second question about, okay, well, if it's direct-to-consumer and we're a true marketplace, how much is the marketplace taking responsibility for the consumer's um, for the for the consumer's experience, right? Customer service, uh, where does the furniture go? Who delivers it? Who collects it? And so because you are acting as a true marketplace, you need to make sure that you're taking substantial ownership of that item if you're acting for a supplier. Otherwise, the supplier needs to be FCA regulated as opposed to yourself. So th- there's, you know, there's an awful lot, and I think it will vary massively uh, from marketplace to marketplace or you know, however your model is set up. Um, and it's important that you go and you know, obviously get the necessary guidance um, because it is, it is a little bit of a gray area. Um, and yeah, there'll certainly be companies out there operating with, with sort of no idea that they're overstepping mm-hmm, the line. Mm-hmm. And so what happened the day that you found out you'd got that approval? Was it a phone call? Was it, you know, an email? Yeah, it, was, it was an email followed by a bottle of champagne. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so we, we got an email through and the, the link through obviously to the FCA's website where we could see our name, which was a, a very proud moment. Um, and then, you know, unfortunately, it wasn't just like, okay, well, we've got that now, let's start trading. We Once we were approved, there are still, you know, numerous documents that need to be approved on their end, the hire agreements and those things. But those are more tick box exercises, right? The, the, the overarching idea of the business and how we're going to be operating was approved, which is the most important thing to us. You know, once you've waited, you know, two to three months, a couple of extra weeks seems uh, seems like a non-starter. <laughs> yes. And what does it mean for Homebound now going forward that you have this? What what doors does it open up? What, you know, how does it change things? Great, great question. So, 
look on on one hand, you know, having FCA FCA approval uh, bodes really well with with investors and, and funds alike. So on one hand, they can see, you know, we've we've been through a lot of uh, a lot of documentation in terms of our model really works. The FCA is happy with it. So on one side, on an investment front, which is important for any startup, it it bodes really well on that side. But on the consumer side and on the supplier side, it's it's almost a little bit better. So on the consumer side, we know that we're doing things, you know, down to the T, uh, you know, along the book. Um, we also have improved accessibility. Um, you know, it's things that we didn't even think about, right? So uh, people who may be um, visually impaired, you know, how 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 do they get around it? You know, how, what can Homebound offer as a service to help them? So we've gone down that whole route. Um, and then as well, on the supplier side, we currently now the only... Uh, at least to my knowledge, um, the only marketplace uh, that's allowed to offer rental direct to consumer. So it gives us an incredible lead in terms of going out and speaking to as many suppliers as possible, um, you know, and bringing them onto the platform and allowing them to offer their services. So it's an exciting time for us. Um, You know, we we need to put our heads down now and make sure that we're delivering for consumers. Um, but yeah, we, we feel it gives us a huge advantage and hopefully enough of an advantage to build a little moat around what we're doing. Um, but yeah, these are all uh, answers that I guess questions that will be answered in the coming <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. And, and what, you know, well done for getting through this. I'm going to put you on the spot and say if um, a marketplace mm-hmm. um, was coming to you for, you know, maybe two or three pieces of advice, things you've learned, things you didn't know about, things, you know, even if it was just a, a tip for yeah. how to get through a period like the one that you've just come through with Homebound, what would you say to them? Of course. Um, <laughs> I keep, would keep say... your cool, maybe. Keep yeah, exactly. I would say, um, look, that these the startup road, uh, you know, it's filled with little bumps. Uh, so take it on the chin. Uh, you know, there, there was obviously some sad days, but take it on the chin. I think legal advice as well. Uh, one of the things that we look back in, in hindsight and, you know, really kick ourselves is we only got one, you know, we had one lawyer review it. We took his word for it and we were happy with that moving forward. I suggest potentially in the early stages, especially around a question as big as this, uh, potentially taking that and getting looked at twice, um, you know, having sort of a different opinion because it's the way people see these problems, right? Um, you get a different answer. So I'd, I'd definitely looking back, um, have it reviewed twice. And then lastly is, so during this downtime, uh, and I say downtime, you know, during times that we were waiting for answers, uh, we've really actually pushed out and had a look at another vertical, which is the business to business side. Um, and we've now found a supplier who's really keen to to move into that space. So, you know, I guess these things are fought with challenges, but also opportunities. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, we can come out of this and really push ahead. But yeah, those would be the three things I, I guess I would offer. Thank you, Bradley. And we are really hoping you might um, make an appearance at the Sharing Economy Global Summit, which is in October at Lloyd's of London. So I won't put you on the spot now, but it'd be great to to see you and the Homebound team there. And in the meantime, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and telling us about your journey. (laughs) No worries. Thanks so much for having me. And, And yes, I'll be delighted to see you in October. Thank you for tuning into the Platform Podcast. Be sure to check us out at marketplacerisk.com for information and resources to help startups launch, grow, and succeed. And follow us on social media at Marketplace Risk to stay up to date on all of our conferences, summits, virtual events, and more.